Hey guys, uh, Kim here from Bell Vista Studios. Welcome to our podcast, first one of 2019 on all things learning and development, uh, e-learning and instructional design. And today our topic is on something some people might think is a little bit more futuristic, but I suppose we might have the discussion now on that it's more present in our lives than we realise, and that is artificial intelligence. And I'm here with Rochelle Weir, um, who I just met one time and was so passionate about it and it was just cool to talk to someone and be curious and ask her questions and I know our audience are keen to like learn more about artificial intelligence they've got some questions themselves but to kick it off I wanted to know what was that first moment for you where you kind of got exposure to it and you were like wow yeah it's I remember I was working in an innovation lab and we were doing a, an experiment with IBM and they brought in one of those Pepper robots that oh. had been trained with their Watson program. And that was my first exposure, I guess, to the combination of artificial intelligence in, in a robotic kind of environment. And this robot could do Tai Chi and dance oh and you could talk to it, interact with it. And it was just, yes, it was kind of just a toy kind of fun, just had fun with it, but the, it just made me realise how... Um, accessible this technology actually is now like we talk about it being futuristic um, but the reality is it already exists it's it's just up to us to think about how do we apply it in our lives so that was my first yeah and I and I still I'd I'd like to own one of those robots that's the goal like it's a life goal right is to own one of those pepper robots what would you have it do um I think the Tai Chi was cool. I mean, having a robotic Tai Chi instructor is kind of cool. Yeah. But um, it, it it's just fun. I think it was uh, it was it could dance, it tells jokes, it does all that kind of cool stuff. I, for the entertainment value, if nothing else. But yeah. I love the concept of having a virtual assistant as well. So being able to go, oh, Pepper, can you please book this appointment and do these things? I just think that would be awesome. Having yeah. a little mini me follow me around. At my whim. I think that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it is awesome. It's cool. Um, well, I suppose like, people do kind of think that it is robot land and stuff, but yeah. where do we see it in our everyday lives right now? Oh, it's, it's permeating through and more, and you're starting to see a lot more change of behaviour in terms of, because it, everyone wants information quickly. Yeah. So you'll see chatbots, which are most times automated on various websites. I have a preference for dealing with the chat functionality over sitting on the phone for 45 minutes every day of the week. It's like a multitask, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. all about how do I stay productive. So it, you're certainly seeing it in more, um, as people just want to be able to pull information quickly, it can just be done so much faster using that kind of technology. So more and more websites, more and more, you know, e-commerce, all of those functionalities are all just powered by artificial intelligence now. But you're also seeing it in employee experience as well. So, yes, from a customer experience, but now you're starting to see artificial intelligence doing um, interviewing, HR recruitment, so doing screening, doing reference checks, all of these things, they're they're being done by artificial intelligence now to try and fast-track some of that process. Wow. Yeah, it's cool. (laughs) That's crazy. And scary at the same time. Uh, what do you mean by scary? Um, well, it's just 
it's it's transformational, right? So I think you know the the way that we've done business for the last twenty years is going to be significantly different to how we do business in the next twenty years. Yeah, uh, I don't think we even com- completely understand the full implication of what this this information revolution will do. Yeah, wow. Well, I think a few of the things that have kind of are simple that we can probably recognise as well as like when your email comes up with like already the suggested responses, yes. um, that's an example of it. And then the Google search bar, when you start typing something and try to like finish your sentence, um, I think, well, if you look at the most common things for what kind of, you're like, what the hell are people searching? <laughs> um, but yeah, no. so true. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, well, what I might do is jump into our community question. Okay. All right. So, first question here is, when designing artificial, uh, that one, AI, yep. <laughs> <laughs> what strategies need to be implemented yeah. to ensure that machine learning learns the best, not yeah. the worst aspects of human behavior? Yeah. Oh, good question. I mean, the, the reality is, is that... Um, you can't. It's, it's kind of the reality there. They will learn the data that is there. So it's it's about you can try to you can try to mitigate the negativity in the data that you feed it. Yeah. But the reality, I mean, as you saw with the you know Google's Twitter attempt, they literally will just pick up on what it is that is out there. Yeah. So it's if you're using artificial intelligence for decision making and that type of thing, it's just about understanding that you need to have parallel systems, like we have in life. So in uh, we have the law system that helps us to moderate, or religious systems, or there yeah. are there are things that help to moderate um, people's behaviours. And AI is no different. So it's not that you can remove all of that bias or remove all of that. Um, potential for it to learn negative things, it's about how do you moderate it and monitor what's yeah. going in and try to adjust as you, as you do. I think that's a really good point because I think one of the big fear things is that bias and it learning and becoming all this, I don't know, crazy mind of its own, but at the same time, humans have that bias and we're already dealing with that in our day-to-day interactions at work or in life, you yeah. know, so it's no different to either an evil human sitting beside you or just like a normal human sitting beside you that has different biases and preferences in life. Exactly, exactly. There's a, an interesting um, a way to approach it is, is about particularly, you know, from my perspective, I'm using AI as helping to people to be better decision makers. So it's about how does that work? And then it's about acknowledging that it's it's not group think it's not the voice of the crowd it's actually a meritocracy so it's about saying not all opinions are equal so it's it's around weighting the opinion of subject matter experts in that field that are credible over trolls yeah so it's about being able to teach it it, i want to say common sense but it can't learn common sense so you've got to do it using maths so it's around going well this person's more credible than this person's opinion. So being able to get advice in a meritocracy rather than a democracy. So how do you do that? Are you out there kind of fielding that credibility or how does it do it? Well, great question. I don't think we've necessarily mastered it. It's still a theory and it's still emerging technology as it happens. Otherwise, 
as you say, you wouldn't have seen the, the horrible experiment that Google had happen, right? So yeah. I don't think we've mastered it yet. I yeah. think it's still a work in progress. I know decision-making and, like, how the human brain works is quite a passion of yours. Like, what what is that about and then how does it apply to this space? Um, so there's a couple of components. So the concept of the neuroscience of decision-making talks, talks about the two different ways that your brain works with the, you have and you might hear it as system one or system two or thinking fast thinking slow oh, yeah. you may have heard of those method um, ways of describing it but ultimately you have a primitive brain and then in decider we talk about that as your eighth brain so okay. this is it's um, fast reactive habitual doesn't take a lot of effort it's quite flight that kind of yeah. stuff um, it's the stuff that's kept you safe through evolution it's you know it's impulsive reactive it's okay. reacting but you all have your prefrontal cortex is your cognitive functionality, is your rational brain. It's the slow thinking. It's the considered. It's mindful. Um, and but it also takes a lot of effort. Yeah. And you've got a limited capacity for the amount of effort that you have for decision making. Wow. So it's about getting the right balance and being aware of who, how is that decision making process working for you? When is your your eight being triggered, and how to better regulate that yeah. and see so artificial intelligence for us is about helping in the moment so teaching people to understand that concept so as an educational tool understanding yeah. an awareness and working with a digital coach that you can access 24 7 when your ape's been triggered to go hey <laughs> I'm having this go on for me and let me vent and let me get rid of it so that I can calm down and get back in control uh, yeah. so teaching people how to be responsive instead of reactive but doing it in a way that they've got a strategic advisor, that virtual assistant, their virtual coach, always on them. That's the vision. Pretty cool. Yeah. How do you see it um, playing out in the workplace? How would you like it to kind of be supported for teams or executives and leaders using this kind of stuff? So I think great teams are made up of great individuals. That is the reality. And organisations are made of great people. So our perspective, we work bottom up. I mean, it's great to have a vision and, and a strategy and top-down kind of approaches that try to build capability organisation-wide. But the reality is, is if people don't embrace it, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? So it's that um, having access to customised, personalised, 24-7 support yeah. it will be transformational for individuals, which will have a ripple effect on organisations. All right, um, next question from the community. So as more tasks that were formerly done by humans mm. are done by machines, which quintessential human characteristics do you think will become more valued and what do you think this would look like in the modern workplace? Yeah, cool. Okay, um, I think you know, clearly as automation and robotics start to take out, anything that is repetitive task-based yep. um, is definitely right for the disruption by the technology. Artificial intelligence is can do complicated tasks well, so where there's rules and there's yeah. clear, if this happens, do this, handles those kinds of things yeah. really well. It's when it becomes complex, so there's multiple dependencies and there are multiple things that, that happen, it, it will struggle with. So that critical thinking capability and that ability to assess lots of information and make judgment calls and use intuition and those kinds of things will always, um, I think, be a part for humans to play. So yeah. I don't talk about 
um, artificial intelligence replacing humans, it's about augmenting humans. So how do we work with the data? If we can bring and make recommendations, but you will need to make assessments yeah. on complex issues, wicked problems, yeah. um, won't be solved by, by the technology. So building your critical thinking capability in a future place of work and working in that augmented space, I think is definitely something to that will that will come to pass and as well as the uh, human skills the communication skills the ability for teamwork and resilience and persistence and motivation and energy those, those leadership those kinds of um, skills too I can't see replaced by artificial intelligence but with the version we have now maybe when Pepper gets a bit smarter it yeah. change um, and creativity so remembering and, and it, it, Artificial intelligence, I think, is getting better in terms of being able to um, create, but at the moment, it's all of its knowledge is based on past events. Yeah. So if it hasn't seen it or done it before, it can't do it. So in, the, in order of connecting dots in a new and different way to come up with a new solution isn't something that technology is good at yet. So I think if you focus on strong people skills, strong creative creativity kind of base skills, as well as critical thinking and decision-making, I think you'd be well-placed. Yeah. And I think there's, like, the fear of people losing their jobs and stuff, but I think by the time workplaces and the world is ready for mm. where AI and how it can support us and integrate daily, mm. many people will potentially be dead, mm. but the new generations coming through or the people that get older and get into those positions, they will have adapted, mm. just like with phones now you know we I grew up not having a phone until I was a certain age you know but now it's like kids have had it their whole life and worked on technology and that's all they know so I feel like that's kind of going to happen as well and we shouldn't be as fearful as like it's not going to be like Tuesday the 21st of 2021 you all of these roles will have disappeared from the world and you're going to be stranded like not at all we're not seeing um, in the future way of work predictions you know it's not that people won't have jobs to do, they just don't exist yet. You know, so yeah. to my kids, and my, my son's still in high school, the job that he will have in 10 years' time doesn't exist yet. Yeah. So it's about learning agility and learning diff just learning the core capabilities rather than trying to be a traditional role. Yeah. That role may or may not be there. That's so true. Mm. I like it. Be a good human mm. that is open to experiences and you'll be fine. Totally. Yeah. That's cool. Mm. All right. Um, next question is, how do you see artificial intelligence's effect on the human factor when delivering training? Um, I mean, I talked a little bit about what I'm trying to do with deciders, artificial intelligence space, but that's, I think that is what I see in the learning and development space, it's around being able to do that needs analysis and fill the gaps more effectively. So it, you know, I'd love to see the death of sheep dip training for people, <laughs> for organisations. Like it's just literally being able to work with you to give you just in time what you need in at, pitched at the level you need in the way that you need to consume it. I think that's that's super cool. So you can yeah. imagine, you know, it's like the Netflix of the because you like this, you might like that. It's, it's taken that to the whole another level to yeah. also understand in order to succeed in this role, here is everything that you need to be able to do and allow me to give you what you need when you need it. I yeah. think that's the potential for what it can do in terms of customising your learn learning pathway. Yeah. It's cool, absolutely cool. But also being able to do e-learning conversationally, I think, is 
that's the next step. What do you mean? What does that look like? Well, instead of me having to read the information on a page yep. um, or on a screen even, it's about having a conversation with someone. Like you, It's like dealing with your mentor. It just, it just happens to be they're a bot yep. or a robot in my case. Hopefully it's Pepper because Pepper's cool. But, <laughs> but you, can, you can start to see that rather than information being just pushed to you to consume, that you can start to ask, to be curious and yeah. pull the information from fountain of knowledge, yeah. um, which I think will be transformational for way, the way people like to learn. Yeah. So, yeah let, yeah, let me watch this, absolutely, and consume it, and then let us talk through how I interpret that so that I can apply it. And you can do it conversationally, 24-7, in your, on, your, on, your, on your phone. Yeah. Your, yeah, totally. I think it'll... And imagine not having to do multi-choice questions ever again. <laughs> like, it'll transform assessments, right? Yeah. So, being able to... Um, have a bot have a conversation with me to um, assess if I've actually understood the, the information I'm supposed to have learned, yeah. rather than you know multi-guess. Yeah, that's cool. I think as well, I see it in, like for trainers being able to understand their learners, like mm. so do pre-training, mm. and then you were talking about the technology before where it's like um, this was off the podcast, but mm. basically it's interpreting how you're responding and things mm. like that so you get a deeper understanding of the human that's yes. coming into your training classroom or who you're about to mentor and then that will take us to the next level because you can mm. prep and yeah that's that's cool yeah absolutely well, yeah the bot's pre-programmed to understand personality types as well so it's about being able to adjust the language and the style to suit how you best learn so understand yeah. how your brain processes information it goes, you know, if you're highly visual and you need that kind of learning approach as opposed to someone who's not, then they'll customise the content to the way you need to consume it. And that's kind of cool. That's cool. I feel like that would be awesome in universities. Oh, yes. Because, like, yeah, uh, the whole, yeah. Anyway, that's a, like, that's a, a whole big tangent that I was going to But, like, my <laughs> university experience would be way better if that had been how it would be because it's just in time. It's now looking at the current workplace and how we do things. And it's current to it's learning every day. Absolutely. Current to me. Absolutely. Oh, well, if we had been born a couple of years later, then that was nah. <laughs> Next generation will have all the all the cool yeah. things. Yeah. Oh, you're creating it, so that's pretty cool. Um. So, how do you prevent artificial intelligence from developing? We spoke about it a little bit. We'll go into it a bit deeper because I think people consistently come up with this question. So, yeah. um, developing unfair biases or prejudices. Sorry about my English and pronunciation <laughs> in its decision making. Yeah, yeah. As we, I guess, as we spoke about before, um, you you can't completely prevent it. So it, it is. And, but it's also changing the narrative to go, not all bias is bad. Yeah. Um, you know, so we have a, a bias, for example, for, you know, the sanctity of life. You know, and mm. So not all bias is bad. So it's, it's, we don't want to completely stop bias. It's just about moderating and using those monitoring systems to make sure yeah. that, um, you know, even as a, as a human society, we can't agree on the right moral ethics and... Um, yeah, that's biases true. that are good and bad. So I think it's unrealistic to expect that an artificial intelligence or any kind of technology that we humans are training will be able to get it right without yeah. a, a grander system influencing that. So you can put laws and regulations and rules in place. You know, there's the laws of robotics. You know, yeah. Robots aren't allowed to kill people. Not, you know, there's some fundamentals that you can use to make sure explicit rules. Yeah. Um, but 
I think as a society we have to work together to manage yeah. what we put into the bots to make sure that we're getting the right outcome with the bots. Yeah, and I've heard like places like Twitter, um, they have mm-hmm. people still behind those rules trying to understand, you know, what information is showing when things are trending and what happens if it is a really bad person that is trying to get a following to start something bad and um, that it hits kind of to a certain extent the technology can pick up on well, what's going on here but it's still a human brain behind that that then needs to police it and step in yeah. um, but then at the same time it's our interpretation of those rules as an individual as well so hmm. exactly I mean because that human policing has a bias yeah so that's what, you can't remove it completely but it is about it, the first step is just know that it's there right? yeah be, be aware that there is such a thing as a bias and it, and it could be influencing this and then assess yeah. Is it, um, and that's like we're creating training on bias at the moment, you know, like and we've done it a few times for clients mm-hmm. and the first thing is be aware. Mm-hmm. So we're saying it to humans and that's kind of where we're at at this stage and it's the same with anything really that comes up in life, I suppose. Absolutely. So if you're training, if you're training a bot, you're giving it scripts on what to say and how to say it, just be mindful that be aware of the biases that you're teaching it because yeah. it is learning it. Yeah, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Last question from the community is uh, how accessible will AI be for smaller or low income or not for profit businesses? Oh, extremely. um, One of the chatbot um, companies that I work with now is free. So um, there are solutions available, and as you talked about, even with you know, Google predictive text and it's all available now. Yeah. It's, um, and it's free and it's accessible and it's only going to get better. So I think, you know, when you start to actually Google what's out there, you, there's so much, it's such an exploding industry. And, you know, with that comes the opportunity to try new things at really re- reasonable prices and yeah. arrangements for different businesses. There's yeah. all sorts of startups playing in this space. Uh, it's very, very cool. So I, I don't think there's any barriers at the moment. If anything, that becomes um, too much choice. Yeah. There's so much out there that you could do as a small business. It'll be there'll be a new advisory consultancy just on which tech should you use yeah. because there's so much, right? That's hmm, true. There's an idea. Copyright. <laughs> 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 yeah, totally. Um, well, I think when it, like, we've played with Alexa skills yes. and like to break that down, like that's simply an Excel spreadsheet yeah. that says, you know, hi, hey, how are you going? And then the person has the opportunity to respond. And then we have three or four other things that it can do. But in the workplace, how we're seeing clients want to use that is a device. You can buy them for like $50. So you have a couple of them in each of the branches or whatever. It's an Excel. Someone's just literally typing into Excel the content. And then you go, you know, hey, Alexa, can you please let Mm. me know like what my leave is? Or where do I find the leave policy? How many days do I have left? And literally it's just text. So... It's kind of just an admin role, really, that would sit there and do that typing and find out the information and then put it into an Excel document. So I think, yeah, to debunk that it's not this crazy expensive technology or it doesn't have to be, it can be really scaled down. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it's the problem that you're trying to solve and the use that you want yeah. it for as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, Snatchbot has a free service, so for, particularly for FAQ bots that you want to put on your website. You can get those for free. Yeah. 
they, they exist and you could do it now and it's not hard. I'm not a dev, I am not a tech person and even I can train it. So just saying like the yeah. it's um and they're getting better and better as more companies are starting to play in this space. The user interfaces for people trying to train the bots is just improving every like all the time. So yeah. it's yeah, you're limited only by your own the amount of effort you want to spend and the, your your own inspiration. Yeah. In terms of your clients, like who what are they getting most excited about when you talk about like the decision making tools that you mm. guys have and then using this stuff within their teams or with the executives? So from the artificial intelligence side or decision making? I go both. Yeah, cool. From the artificial intelligence side, it's always a curiosity thing. Yeah. So it's trying to understand, you know, how does it work and um, how does it know me? Um, the the <laughs> I have to give the disclaimer. So, so we help with decision making, but we don't make decisions for you. We help you to make your own decisions yeah. and understand how your brain works and how your brain will make the decisions. So, uh, the our, di- our artificial intelligence his name's Andy. A- Andy won't tell you what to do. Andy yeah. just helps you work out what you want to do. Like a regular coach. Like a regular coach. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a digitizer. So there's always this curiosity around. Will Andy tell me the wrong advice? Or no, Andy's not going to give you advice. Yeah. Um, so there is that side. So I see that. But I. But then. Um, watching Andy um, being able to help someone identify a self-limiting belief and the mm. aha moment that you get from that, that that's always a buzz for me when, when you see people get an unexpected that you know they expect it to be just fun and then they get something meaningful from yeah. it yeah, I think it's kind of cool so what kind of questions have you got in there to kind of talk that aha moment? Um, asking questions about um, people's values and about you know t- talk about times when things happened in your life and to reflect on those so that you can identify what's going on for you. So what you're doing is you're looking for those triggers for that eight brain. So you're looking for um, to know what those signals will be so that you can manage it more effectively. So the key to success is about regulating emotions. Mm. It's that not making a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. So it's about helping people to reflect on what are those triggers and what, how do they work for you and, and what strategies have you used to better manage in those moments. So getting people to kind of go, oh, that, that happened because that, and I get that, and this is the narrative I'm telling myself. So if I tell myself a different narrative, maybe I can manage that situation differently. And you can do that conversationally through artificial intelligence chatbot. Like, it's, that's just... Yeah, that's cool, right? That's cool. So, um, in in terms of how does it work from a neuroscience of decision making in a in a team base, it's around understanding that people do have different apes. They have different, but they also have different decision making profiles. And it's when if you want diversity of thinking and diversity of thought, it's bringing those together and understanding what the lay of the land is and how we work better together as a collective. Yeah, and be accountable transparent and agile and work together that's how you get more efficiency faster to get ideas faster to market and remove procrastination and improve create high performing teams and remove some of those culture barriers is by just that set one awareness and two redefining how we're going to be how do we interact and how do we work differently in order to be high performance that's cool yeah it's cool wow Uh, yeah i feel like it's about um being a good human, but just having technology support that. Absolutely. And it's like an excuse to almost enable being a good human. Nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So how do we work with technology? As in, technology is an enabler. 
Yeah. You know, we're not a technology company. That's not who and what we are. We use technology to enable scale, yeah. to enable to be able to get services and support to as many people as you can. You can't do that in a face-to-face environment. So, and I think that's what it means for us in a learning context as well, right? Yeah. It's how do you get these great ideas and these great concepts and learning objectives that you're trying to achieve at scale yeah. or through technology. Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, before I ask you the mm. last question, mm. um, where can people find you? Ah, yeah, uh, great question. Uh, decider.co is our website, yep. so please come online. You can contact us through there. Otherwise, uh, all the usual social media channels, of course. Yep. Um, yeah, but uh, probably through the website's the easiest way. And I'll chuck them in the links uh, to the description of this. So last question, mm-hmm. what is the impact on the world you want to have through your mission? So our mission is uh, to create better, a better world through better decision makers, so to help people to be better, so that ultimately we believe it will have a ripple effect, so if we improve people, people will improve teams, teams will improve businesses, business will improve industry, industry will improve government, government will improve the world. So it's just this ripple effect and we just start from the starting, it's what, what can I do differently, how can I be better? Yeah. And eventually we'll influence the world. I love it. I love yeah. it. Thanks so much for chatting with us today, Rochelle. Really, really appreciate it. Um, thanks to all the listeners if you've made it this far. Really grateful to have you listening to us and being part of the community. Um, and until next podcast on all things learning and development, e-learning and instructional design, be legendary and have an awesome day.